Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. So don't tell me about politics all the problems of our economics. No, you can't look after what you can't own. You scream and shout are breathing well uh hopefully the sun is back and visible by the time this episode is out uh as we are living in arguably maybe inarguably the weirdest times that any person has ever lived through but the great news for you is because it's 2020 and we have the internet during these weird times you get to listen to podcasts and that should probably solve at least 35 to 45 percent of these issues i imagine uh, my name is Matthew Robertson, hero of this uh, apocalypse, guy who's going to help really turn the ship around. And I'm joined by two people doing the same thing each and every day. Kate Prusser, managing editor of Lookout Landing, and John Troopin, uh, another editor at Lookout Landing, whose title is slipping my mind. How are y'all doing? What's the vibe in your neck of the woods? Hello. My vibe is I'm trying to figure out what, if you're the hero yeah. Of our apocalypse movie. I'm trying to figure out what role I play. I think I'm pretty useless. Uh, no. As far as like, unfortunately, yes. As far as like skills go, if anyone needs like a gourmet meal on during the, as we trek across the abandoned hellscape. That's I, super I helpful. That, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. I think I'm the one that like has gets a lot of sympathy and then dies tragically early on and then my death spurs you all onto greater heights 
Okay, that's one skill, John. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, well, I've, I've been trying to think in this, like, what my favorite, like, apocalypse sort of movie, book, general, like, vibe is. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I'm most, I'm, I'm very much like the guy who sort of stands outside the entrance to, like, whatever sort of warlord's room is and then looks very imposing but, like, is sort of easily overcome by the by the protagonist of the film at, at, or the, of the story. So I, I think that's probably sort of a mini-boss kind of vibe. Uh, that's, that's my goal. I will say I am looking for my important uh, deputy badge uh, because I am deputy managing editor and of course that comes with like a large sort of golden badge I can stick uh, on my chest that I do wear at all times um, so that's good and if people see you on the street wearing that they know to give you lots of awe and respect which is helpful in times like these because we have to look for leaders you know and people who will who will help and that's definitely yes. you look right for now. look for the helpers are you quoting right. mr rogers look for the deputy managing editors of a mariner's blog and then we'll be fine two or three days this will all be a fun memory if we all just follow john and his shiny badge <laughs> <laughs> oh boy well anyway we have a new thing to be mad about uh the mariners played not one but two games in air quality that is defined by experts as and i'm quoting unhealthy uh, so the Mariners and Major League Baseball and the A's and all of the decision makers on high decided, uh, fuck that. We don't care. Let's play two, baby. And they did that. And it appears that nothing really went poorly, I guess, at least on the surface. Uh, Jesus Lazardo is very open about saying this was a bad idea and he feels weird about it. But I haven't heard anything else about any players like being short of breath or anything like that. But... Definitely did not seem like a necessary thing to do. Uh, what what were y'all's thoughts about watching the Mariners play inside like a 1980s like like hair metal stage, like covered in like dry ice, basically? <laughs> <laughs> that is what it felt like, and it was such a bummer because that Kyle Lewis catch forever is going to be. There's not going to be any clear video of it. Like you, you have to watch it through the haze and the smoke, and so it's impossible i think to appreciate the stills from that or the video of it which all of which is incredible um without noting that the air quality looks terrible and uh yeah i i was surprised that they played because i'm a little further south than the stadium but i'm still only like a 10 to 15 minute drive uh or would be if the west seattle bridge was operational but the air quality here is poor. Like I've been keeping my cats inside. They're very angry. They do not understand. I have a tiny rebellion brewing on my hands, um, <laughs> but it just doesn't feel good, you know? So I was, I, I was pretty surprised and very dismayed that there does not, I think that they went through the same thing when the giants and A's played in the height of the California wildfires. So mm-hmm. I just, I don't understand MLB not having some kind of clear-cut policy on this. If you want to read more about it, Tim, staff writer Tim has a really good article about it up on the site today. Yeah, well, and it's also, I mean, it's not as though, like, yes, it's an inconvenience. It's absolutely inconvenient and challenging. But at the same time, like, the Mariners have three more off days on, like, the, or, well, two more off days, I suppose, um, like, in terms of next 
this coming Thursday and then the following Thursday as well. Like it's it's not as though uh, there was no time. They're already playing doubleheaders, um, you know, for the uh, final series of the season where uh, they'll be making stuff up. You know, the A's are off this Thursday as well. Like they could, if if your argument is well, it's not going to be better by Thursday. That's a reasonable one. Perhaps you know you get a little more creative. You say, okay, you have to fly to. I don't know, Colorado or some other like neutral site where there isn't a game. Um, so you can get the game in, in non terrible conditions. I recognize that's, you know, challenging in its own right, but like it really was surreal and it's really hard. You know, even if a guy isn't collapsing from, you know, shortness of breath initially, like the long term impacts of being out in, severe smoke are pretty worrisome right like in whether you're at the very unhealthy level whether you're you know a healthy young athlete or not uh, yeah i saw an article that the air quality in oregon is so bad scientists don't know how it affects the human body because it's so high right like you know you know i mean obviously you know it's not like we are a, a trio of doctors or scientists but like we looked at you know we look at okay Speak what are for yourself. well that's fair. Yeah, that's i'm fair. actually both of those uh, that's fair that's fair um well and and that's why you're gonna be our our savior matthew um exactly but uh i mean it really was bizarre and and felt unnecessarily risky um you know and and i mean especially <laughs> that that could be a, something you'd say about this entire season but I think it's it is a inescapable like visual uh, the inescapable visual component of hey there's smoke everywhere because things are on fire and it's unhealthy is uh, even more impactful and unavoidable than something that you know you can know COVID is obviously really impactful and really dangerous in in a similar way but. You know, it, the lack of visual sort of component, I think, can can make it a little bit easier for, you know, young healthy players to say, "Well, I'm, I'll be okay." Um, I mean, this was something I'd never, never seen before. To this yeah, team. and I just want to point out one more time: the reason they had to do this was because they had to make up the series with the A's when the A's had a positive test in their organization. They could have done, they could have played a doubleheader on one of those games. The A's opted to cancel the entire series. So I'm a little resentful that, like, I feel like Seattle slash the Mariners were kind of put in this position of looking like they were insisting upon this when we don't know necessarily if that was even the case, um, if that was a dictate from MLB or what. And Apparently, clubs aren't answering questions about that, uh, even when they were lobbied right by reporters. I don't know if they were here, but they definitely were in California and not answered. Um, yeah. So I, that is something, too, that I think it's easy to be like, the Mariners did this. And like, well, we don't really know that. And also um, their hand was a little forced because of the scheduling difficulties and because of the choice that Oakland made where they didn't want to fly up at all. Right. Well, and right. I mean, we have the example from during the 
a few weeks ago when when teams were wanting to sort of figure out whether they were going to strike for a game or, or whatnot. Um, you know, the Brody Van Wagen and uh, sort of hot mic, quote unquote, saying like Manfred and, uh, you know, the, the sort of dictate was coming down from MLB of, well, we don't want to have to like reschedule this and like pay for or you know reorganizing all this stuff so what if you just had people do this you know like an hour delay instead like there is already a solid precedent of you know beyond plenty of other precedent of like mlb is just trying to get in all these games um so they can get to the postseason where they're gonna make their money you know so i mean it is really really frustrating to to not have any faith that the the safe or correct decisions are being made yeah, and that kind of goes hand in hand with the reports we're seeing now that, um, oh, all of a sudden MLB is deciding that maybe they can have playoffs in the bubble. And I was like, or fans, fans at the yeah. playoffs yeah. in the bubble. Amazing. Like, huh. how, how? How is that a bubble? Like, that's not that's not a bubble. If you let people into it, the, the bubble is porous. And I don't know, are bubbles porous? I, I regret saying that I was a scientist. I, b- I believe that the common example is if is something goes in or out of a soap bubble, it pops. So uh, I think they are typically not too porous. Hmm. I have a lot of questions about both of those things. But Kate, to go back to something you said, uh, I was thinking about like how the, the Kyle Lewis home run robbery will always be like depicted in a cloud of smoke and thinking about like how... 20, 30 years from now, people are going to look at that and think that that's just what video looked like. You know how, like, when you watch video now of, like, the 70s, you're like, why does it look like shit? <laughs> like, that's just what <laughs> we had available. People are going to now think that, like, the 2020s were, like, this weird, like, era of, like, smoky cameras or, like, that was just video quality uh, in general. And it's just, like, a very weird circumstance that led to it. It's going to have, like, a nostalgic filter on it no matter what, which is a very weird thing to be true of something that happened yesterday. In that way, I mean, I'm not happy that there is the, always going to be that haze on it, but it will definitely mark it as something from 2020. And those of us who are here for it and live through it can tell the youths of the future, like, oh, no, that was I remember that day. <laughs> Boy, yeah, I'm not <clears throat> looking forward to all of these, like being able to explain to next generations like what was happening here because i'm really actively trying to forget all of this as it's happening like yeah. kyle lewis is great i'll carry his message forever but not any of the things surrounding his life or the circumstances that he finds himself in but his team the seattle mariners have found themselves in a very interesting circumstance uh today is let's see tuesday september 15th uh the mariners are two games behind houston in the loss column for the second spot in the West. Uh, there's like a weird, the MLB, this is another thing that I'm upset about. MLB really needs to put something on their website that like shows you where teams are relative to a wild card spot. Like right now it just has Cleveland yes. eighth and then it just goes Mariners. And like, there's no thing that tells you how far back they are of Cleveland. It can show you a little bit how far back they are of Houston. If you go to a different, like breakdown of it but it's annoying how they don't have like nba where you're like this many games back of the eight seed like that would be very helpful right. so mlb if you're listening 
please fix that. But anyway, the Mariners are in the race, which is a hilarious thing to be able to say in September of 2020, especially because the Astros are the reason for it. The Astros have played so bad that the Mariners are like right on their heels. So my first question I wanted to ask y'all is, are you more surprised that the Mariners have played well enough to put themselves in this position or that the Astros have been so disappointing that this is actually a race? Uh, I will say I am surprised the Astros have played this bad because I, I, I was trying to track down sort of the, the lookout landing season uh, sort of predictions. Um, and I think that I had the Mariners around, you know, like a 20, uh, maybe 23 to 25 win uh, team. Uh, perhaps that's incorrect. No, I predicted them to win 25 games and, and that they could they're very reasonably within that range um you know that still wouldn't get them in the playoffs but you know they're 22 and 26 uh with you know 12 games left so uh i think that the more shocking thing is the astros have so thoroughly across the board especially without the like pressure of every stadium they walk into the fans are just given it to them like that was going to be i think a big reason why the astros you know the home field advantage isn't always as big a thing i think in baseball as it is in other sports because just the grind of 162 games you know you're not going to have a full stadium giving it to the fans and being as fully engaged as you would with you know 16 games for the nfl or even in the nba where it's you know an arena and it's all they're all enclosed um so yeah, the Astros, I mean, Altuve regressing significantly. They lost Alvarez. They lost Verlander. McCullers has been bad and hurt. I mean, their pitching has been really rough. And they have not gotten the sort of otherworldly one through nine uh, going to give it to you lineup that they've had in the past. So uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that has, that is, you know, I've certainly been... Pl- surprised with what parts of the Mariners have been as solid as they were. Um, but Houston being so bad uh, has really been impressive. Kate Kate, actually, Kate absolutely got me on this one. I thought, I thought Houston was going to still have uh, sort of a, a solid claim to the top of the division, um, and they have absolutely not, even, even with Oakland not honestly being world beaters themselves. I did not think that. Well, I mean, when I was making these predictions initially, I really thought the Astros were going to go to every stadium and get, you know, loudly shamed. Even my mom, who, like, first of all, is not a super passionate baseball fan. And secondly, like, is the nicest person on the planet and doesn't like to make people feel bad, was rubbing her hands together with glee, asking me when the Astros came and when we could go boo them. So... You know, it really, I love that. It, it offended her sense of propriety tree, I think. Uh, propriety? I always get those two mixed up. Anyway, um, it, it made her, my mom believes in a just and fair world and she does not like cheaters and she really wanted to go give it to the Astros. And if my mom felt like that, I kind of feel like a lot of people did. And I really thought that that would wear on them. What I didn't anticipate as well, because I think of baseball as a band of brothers, et cetera, et cetera, they support each other. Um, I didn't realize how 
deep the resentment ran across baseball. I knew it was with the Dodgers and I knew they were mad and they were going to be mad. Um, But I didn't realize how many of the just everybody in MLB hates, hates the Astros. Everybody hates the Astros. And I think that that ill will has still continued. If the Mariners can somehow catch up to or knock out the Astros, I think we're we're looking at a very um, a frighteningly real scenario where the the Mariners are like America's team for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> hope Amer- I hope America likes Philip Irvin. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you see him laying out after he made that great catch in the in the game the other day? Like, he was absolutely. Yeah, it's not luck that like America it. can get behind. Yeah, we love stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I was not. I'm not as surprised just because I predicted some regression in their lineup. Uh, I did not predict Altuve falling off as badly as he has. Yeah, we um, should mention he, too. Altuve also did get hurt for a little bit. He should be yes. back by the yeah. time the Mariners That's have true. to play them. But he was both. Bad when healthy and then got hurt. So maybe those two yeah. are connected. Well, and, and same thing with Bregman, right? I, I don't know. Yeah, if Bregman I was think hurt Bregman's for a while. Back, but he's been hurt for a while. But he was also, I mean, he's been good, but he's not been like almost none of their usual, like <clears throat> otherworldly guys have been otherworldly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I mean, Korea, Korea gets hurt a lot and Springer gets hurt a lot. So those are the two I really was banking on when I was predicting regression. Mm. Plus the fact that, like, the McCullers, Verlander, uh, McCullers, Verlander, not McCullers because he was hurt last year, but Verlander uh, and Cole made like combined a, a ton of starts for them last year. And obviously yeah. they're getting, I think Verlander's made one start for them against yeah. us. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, and they Granky, went from like you know. 50 appearances by the two of them to one. Yeah. Um, and then McCullers has been kind of hurt and Granky mm. is... You know, he's he's got his thing, but he's not like a world beater. So yeah. they've taken such a huge hit in pitching, both yeah. just losing people and in um, overall health, which they haven't. I think that's one thing where the Mariners should really be lauded is in managing their pitching staff's health. And the six-man rotation in this weird little season, I think, has been really effective for them. So, Yeah, no, I, I fully agree. I, it's That's one of those things where it's like, it's tough to know, like, is that, you know, is that for sure, like, the team doing something well? But I think it, you know, or, or is it just like, well, they have a lot of young pitchers and guys who are, are reasonably healthy. But, like, they had a lot of guys with reasonable injury histories, and they have taken it pretty slow, and they have historically been, I mean, a team that, has very few Tommy John surgeries relative to other uh, other clubs. They have, you know, in the past several years had very, you know, a, a pretty low number of guys other than, you know, guys who they've brought in who have been immediately needed it. Um, so, yeah, I, I fully agree with you, Kate, on that of like, yes, it's been kind of weird to have a six-guy rotation when it's, you know, <laughs> um, you know, clearly there are a few guys who are, established starters and then a few who are like trying to figure it out but i think it really has made for a healthy season which is especially going into this year 
I, absolutely what I would hope for from from all the pitchers that they have. And, and for the most part, you know, knock on wood for the last, you know, quarter of the season here. But it, it's been a net positive, or I guess fifth of the season. But, yeah, that's been a really big positive. It's so weird to see the Astros enter the Mariners' world of, like, random-ass dudes. Like, they've literally thrown Chase DeYoung yeah. twice. Yeah. He's for the Astros twice <laughs> this year. And if you do the, if you go to the Astros' 2020 B-Ref page, you will see that their best player is literally a rookie pitcher named Christian Javier. One of the guys in the top 12 is wearing his minor league hat in the picture. Like, it's classic Mariner <laughs> shit where, like, it's people you literally never heard of. They're <laughs> Their fifth best player by B War is a guy named Andre Scrub, who is oh, like yeah. a I love Andre. reliever. Andre Scrub yeah. is like sixty five percent jowls too. That dude, <laughs> that dude has some cheeks. Like, yeah, that guy is quite something. It's uh, so weird. And like Josh Reddick has been hitting fine, but his defense apparently has fallen off a cliff enough to give him a negative F War. And in fact, the worst F War on the team, despite a one hundred one WRC plus and a double-digit walk rate. So Fangraphs has his defense at a negative 9.1. And, like, defense is the only reason why he's supposed to be on the team. So, like, everything is going so wrong for them. Altuve was hitting 224 with a sub-300 OBP before getting hurt. 70 WRC+. plus. Like, I love it so, so much. And I'm really clinging to it because I know it's not going to be permanent. Like, I think in a regular... If, if the season had started on time, I think there's no way we're having this conversation. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but, I mean, that is, I mean, there's no way we have the conversation uh, that the Mariners are in the playoff contention, right? You know, Right, I think that's what I'm saying. Yeah, this yeah, whole thing is yeah. very circumstantial. No, but, it, but, you know, I, I've, I've swung a few ways on it because I think there's, there is a reasonable sort of case of the like, well, does this team even deserve it? Like, does it feel real if they make the playoffs? Which is like, Almost certainly not going to happen. But, like, does that actually count as breaking the drought? But it's like, look, these are the rules that were set out at the start yep. of the year. It's what every team was playing with. It is ridiculous. But you also can absolutely look at, like, all the teams that they would be getting. There's not a bad team that they would be beating out to get in. And, like, you know, the worst quote-unquote team I think that you would see making the playoffs out of them is the Blue Jays and the Blue Jays have absolutely like a solid crew of players who you know the Blue Jays roster looks like kind of like the I mean not not one-to-one in terms of who is on it but like it's a 2014 Mariners kind of roster where it's like this probably isn't a great team but there's enough good here that it wouldn't be at all ridiculous if this team made the playoffs so um yeah. So, I, I just looked it up and the Astros the Mariners are obviously dead last in bullpen, but the Astros are twentieth in yeah. MLB. Uh and I looked it up because I was curious about where Johan Ramirez, who's been worth negative point one WAR, uh I was curious about where he would fit and he would be the fifteenth uh ranked Astro coming out of the bullpen ahead of Joe Biagini, who I've always liked, uh, Brian Abreu, Josh James, who was supposed to be good, but has been pretty terrible. So, yeah, the Mariners are doing better with their Astros-born Rule 5 pick than a lot of actual Astros are for their bullpen right now. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and the Mariners just have the benefit of playing with house money, whereas if the Astros miss the playoffs, especially to literally the Seattle Mariners who were not <sighs> trying to make the playoffs this year, like that is an unmitigated disaster. They're going to have to call FEMA to clean things <laughs> up. If, if, like, it's so yeah, beyond yeah. the realm of possibility because I think I, you know, in that early season prediction post that we did, like I had, I just kind of non-thinkingly penciled the Astros in for win the West might have even picked them to win the AL like they're just such a a force in our life recently that I've been afraid of them and now to see it flip and like to actually think that when they play in later this month like I think the Mariners can hang with them you know it's very strange to have like a good feeling about playing Houston especially with real things on the line like I feel better about the M's playing Houston than I do Oakland or San Diego now. for sure well Houston has been such a thorn in our side like I think objectively the A's have been a better team several times when we've met up with them over the past couple of years uh, just because of injuries or like how they were playing at the time. And like, I think the Mariners just have this weird block about the Astros where they just don't play against them well and especially not in Houston. So I'm really curious to see if like they can kind of get off the schneid in this next because I think the two teams are more evenly matched now than they will have been in a while I mean certainly in 2019 probably in 2018 although I don't know we had Edwin Diaz in 2018 they had that one inexplicable four game sweep of Houston in Houston at the hands of Edwin Diaz jolted them right back into like a tiny that was like their last bump of like playoff hopes um, with, as I recall, the pinch hit Daniel Vogelback dinger. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, but like. Guillermo had a really good play, too. He had like a diving catch oh, in the gap yeah, that's that became right. a double play. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that is. That is like. Other than that, it has been really, really rough. And, and I mean, Houston's just had a great team for so long. So it, it is like a challenge in that regard. But like. It, it, it really is like, oh, you're going to play Houston? Well, it's usually going to be you're going to face two different Hall of Fame caliber pitchers and, like, an, a, an offense that is, like, you'll get to the sixth hitter before you'll face a hitter that would be worse than the Mariners' <laughs> best hitter. Like, I mean, right. it is I think, brutal. too, like, just the names. Like, mm-hmm. the name recognition mm-hmm. of playing the Astros. Like you said, it mm-hmm. used to be, okay, you're getting Verlander, Cole, Zach Granke, now, this year, you would only get Granky, who, like, is a great pitcher, but is not necessarily intimidating. He's one of the goofiest dudes in the whole league, really. Mm-hmm. And then, like I said, like, you have these random guys. Like, they're going to bring guys out of the bullpen who Mariners hitters will look at and be like, okay, like, this guy's on the same level as me. It's not like they're bringing in Presley, Davinsky, Ken Giles, like, guys who are really i mean they still have some of those guys on the team i think but you know what i mean where it's not like oh my god every person on the field for the astros is all-star level like there are also guys who i'm sure you guys might be able to help me out here who like the mariners young players have actually seen these guys now too having played them in the minors which is definitely a a benefit for us as well yeah I, i mean that's absolutely the case you know i mean javier is an example um you know the the i think the Biggest ones would probably be uh, just like a lot of their bullpen. Um, you know the the guys like Cionel Perez and um, and Oli Paredes. I don't know how much that's necessarily helped them, um, but like it, it is a lot of guys who 
have been spending a lot of their time in uh you know in contention with the Mariners so um and and Kate if I recall correctly it was was it Modesto or Arkansas where like the Astros affiliate was narrowly out there's no California league affiliate for the Astros so it was the Texas league yes okay so like they were they were up top like they were near the top in strikeouts but like yes, the strikeout this to walk is, ratio this is my like, har- this is my hobby horse this is what mm-hmm. i've been harping on again and it's and again really and again. coming to bear this year yes i'm very smart people do not <laughs> <laughs> i'm a good baseball analyst people forget this no seriously though it was very it was the dodgers in the cal league and the astros in the texas league and both of those Thank teams you creamed the Mariners team affiliates in strikeouts, total strikeouts, but both of them uh, walked the world to borrow from the great Dave Niehaus. Um, They just, both those clubs decided we don't care about strikeout to walk ratio. We only care about strikeouts. We're going to coach our guys to only go for the strikeout. So that's what Johan Ramirez came out of. I saw him playing with that Astros affiliate in, um, Oh, what is it? It's Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. Yes, that's it. Uh, And he was really good and really scary, but it was scary because you didn't know where the ball was going to go. So that's what the Mariners are trying to like coach out of Johan. Um, And you can see it a little bit in Christian Javier, um, in some of their other guys who were there. Um, I don't know how much any familiarity with them helps but like Mm. all you have to know is like try to wait these guys out a little and see if they can throw strikes it's really not a difficult plan to defeat but yeah yeah i wondered how that how that organizational strategy would pay off for them because i think the mariners have very much been like we need to teach you to command before we dial up your velo and the astros have been more like get the velo out there and and we'll deal with the command later which i don't think is sound pedagogy yeah the the astros uh, you know, I think having Zach Granke certainly helps them overall. But uh, if you just look at the bullpen, which, as you mentioned, has been really a, a big problem for them, um, they're walking over, you know, basically walking a, a guy every other inning. They have a 5.5 uh, walks per nine which is by far the worst in uh, MLB. Um, you know, if you want to look at that by walk percentage, that's uh, a little like 13.5% walk rate, which is also by far the worst in MLB. Uh, the Mariners are not great in that regard either, but they are, you know, more of, they're, they're a little bit more. Yeah, they're also to... being dragged down by Johan, whose yeah, <laughs> walk yeah. rate is terrible, yeah. and yet gets a ton of uh, high leverage opportunities because, again, mm-hmm. that's what this year this year mm-hmm. is about. Yeah, so you know, I mean, that is it's really interesting because yeah, we're I mean, this had it had to be this year and next year because they're they don't get top draft picks this year or next year. It's gonna be a real challenge for them to to sort of accrue talent in the way that they have. Uh, you know, to the same degree, if they can't uh, pull it out this year, and and you know, there's encouraging stuff. I mean, Cal Tucker is looking really good, looking like oh, this guy was a top pro- a top prospect for years and was always really good in the minors, and ne- they didn't ever play him consistently, so he didn't perform that well, and now they're playing him every day and he's performing really well. Wild, but 
you know, it's not, it is really, their sort of slipping is really encouraging for the Mariners in terms of in the next few years as the M's are coming up, um, as well as this year, you know, like. Yeah, the Mariners and Astros are virtually tied right now in a starter ERA or starter overall F war. They're 20 and we're 21 or we're 20 and they're 21 or something like that. So unbelievable. It's so cool to see like the Padres are now like, oh, my God, this team is stacked. I'm afraid of the Padres. And the Astros are like, yeah, come here. We'll play you guys. (laughs) Like, let's see what happens. I love that everything is just so upside down and like we get to watch a fun team that's not cheating, at least I hope. Yes. If the Padres are cheating, I'm, I'm done with baseball. Like, I'm no, no, take no. A year the, Pad- off. the Padres are only uh, breaking unwritten rules. That's, that's oh, all. Oh, right. That's a good point. <laughs> who would yeah. like to take a stab at who the most valuable reliever in the Mariners' bullpen is? By Mishe- kind of a lot. Is it Mashevich? It is Mashevich. Point four. Yeah. I, uh, I, just, I was just looking hard. at it. But... It's not that hard to guess because he pitches <laughs> every single day. He pitches every day. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's amazing. Um, I- Ever since you pointed that out, Matthew, every time he comes in, I'm like, oh, here he is again. Uh, and then the other two most valuable are not actually pitching for the team right now. One is Carl Edwards Jr. and the other is Taylor Williams. Oh, oh yeah, awesome. baby. That's rough. I mean, this is a lot of, man, this is like a sporkle quiz in itself looking at this at this list. Um, well, this actually kind of leads to another conversation because people have noticed that the Mariners are fighting for a playoff spot while also rostering a lot of guys who are <laughs> not desirable, maybe is the right word, not a person you'd come to expect to see on a playoff roster. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bullpen is a whole other conversation, but the main one is like the Mariners outfield on any given night is likely to have a Marmalejos or an Irvin or sometimes even a D strange Gordon. And then meanwhile, Jared Kalanick is down at the alternate site. Uh, even like, you know, on a lesser a less like shiny note, like Braden Bishop is also down there, who is undoubtedly a better defender than Marmalejos or D. And, you know, I think rightfully so. Some of this anger from the fans is coming from the fact that Jerry Depoto said himself that the team could be putting out a lineup that would make some noise in the back half of 2020. I'm paraphrasing there, but he said something like that. And that was before they fucked around and joined the playoff race. So now that the question, now that we're actually here, like in a playoff race, the question becomes, if you were prepared to bring up Kalanick and or whoever else was the implication in that quote, when the team was expected to just kind of circle the drain, why wouldn't you call him up when an actual playoff spot is on the line? And I know, John, you wrote a whole article about this for the site. Uh, the the Kalanick thing is the one that I think fans are going to point to. Him and Logan mm-hmm. Gilbert are both down there just kind of waiting, twiddling their thumbs. So where where my question, I guess, for y'all is where are you uh, in terms of anger level or consternation with the organization right now? I I don't know where I'd put it on a scale, you know, one to ten, but I, I'm a little bit frustrated. I, I would say a medium medium amount of frustration. I, I don't think it's indefensible to to keep both guys, you know, down. Um, Neither player has like the full amount of time that you would want in the you know upper minors, um, so in, in that and there's no way for them to get that right now. So in that regard, you know we don't know where they're at in terms of their development, in terms of what they're improving on right now, in terms of their goals. Um, frustratingly, that means we just can't say with certainty. Oh well, 
the issues that Kalnick had, the minor, whatever, however minor they might have been, those have been cleared up with another year. Uh, or, you know, oh, Logan Gilbert's, you know, he was still trying to sharpen up his out pitch. Uh, you know, that's been improved on. But what I do feel comfortable saying, uh, and I said this in the recap of, of the second game from Monday night, is I am very confident Logan Gilbert is a better pitcher than Jimmy Akabonis, Seth Frankoff, Brady Lale. I will throw Walter Lockett in there. Um at least gives the Mariners a better chance to win if you start him. And uh, I think the greater risk is not, oh, that the Mariners are going to miss out on this playoff shot. The Mariners are probably going to miss out on this playoff shot. The problem for me is the Mariners missing out on this playoff shot and not trying since it's here with a group that they have told, like, you're going to be the group, you're going to be the core, you're going to be the group of guys, and building that, you know, putting that Kyle Lewis, um, you know, that uh, Logan Gilbert, that Jared Kalnick, that Julio Rodriguez uh, group, you know, the the Cal Rally uh, group in Arkansas last year, other than Julio, obviously, um, and saying like, okay, we want you guys together because we want you guys to move as a unit and the ones that got here a little sooner, as they should, like Lewis, helping push and drag an undeserved, not undeserving, but like a clearly underwhelming roster into a position where they could sneak into the playoffs, like, it sends a pretty rough message, I think, in terms of, okay, we're holding up our end of the bargain as players, are you going to not hold up your end of the bargain as as a front office and and you know I, I don't think it's really on the coaching staff who kind of have to put out the rosters they're given you know I, I it's not like I have any great love or disdain for Scott service but like he has Tim Lopes or Dylan Moore or D Gordon or Jose Marmalejos to put in left and right field right like gotta put some of those people out there and and Dylan Moore obviously has been incredible but like, and, and now Philip Irvin, but yeah, so, so I am frustrated because of what sort of message it sends that I think undermines the successful player development that they've had so far. Um, when it doesn't really, it particularly in Gilbert's case, lose them that much in terms of, uh, you know, economics or, or, uh, you know, cost control. I mean, Gilbert's a 23-year-old starting pitcher who would be a free agent by the time he turns 29 or 30, depending on when they do this. So, like, that's, you know, that's not something that you should be planning on so much as get this group to a position where they can make the playoffs and win. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the most frustrating part is that the Mariners are basically – telling the fans like we know that we have a better option and we're not taking it which you kind of mentioned like just knowing that like the Mariners completely understand that these guys that they're signing and releasing three days later like Yacobonis yeah they're not they're not good like it's it's they did they him today yeah exactly and like obviously if you start Logan Gilbert in that second game of the doubleheader against the A's like that's not a guaranteed win but I would much rather they got shut out innings right but I would have rather seen four innings of Logan Gilbert than whatever mm-hmm. Yakabonis did. Mm-hmm. You know, like like why mm-hmm. not just 
try it. Because the other thing about being a pitcher, like you can just throw your f- three innings or whatever, and then you have that to like look at as like, oh, here's my tape from like facing big league hitters. Here's what works. Here's what didn't work. If you call up Jared and you have him face MLB pitchers, and then oh, the next day you have a completely different set. Like that's just kind of more confusing and kind of overwhelming for Jared Kelenic to have to learn. Like, okay, here's all the pitchers on the A's. Whereas for a pitcher, it's like okay, you can navigate these 40 pitches doing what's worked for you in the past and we'll see how that translates rather than all right jared here's 97 on the black every time you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah i so actually that was feel very the, frustrating for me I, I feel the opposite um if i was gonna call anyone up i would rather see kelnick called up because interesting okay uh i think i watched gilbert at the texas league last year a lot in his well i watched him every start last year in Mede- in First in West Virginia, then in Modesto, then in uh, the Texas League. And the one thing, he was clearly too good for A-level ball. He just, he wasn't learning anything there. He was just cruising past guys with his fastball. Then he got to the California League and he was facing a more advanced type of hitter. He was throwing, breaking stuff that was, he thought, tempting and was getting Sally League batters out, but it was not getting California League batters out. So he had to make an adjustment and it took a while and he was like working on refining his pitch shapes. And then what I saw when he got to Texas was he's facing an even more advanced class of hitter. Now he's facing the top prospects and um, if he put them away quickly, he'd be great. But when, as soon as he got into like these longer battles with players, he didn't have a consistent out pitch he could go to. He doesn't have Justice Sheffield's slider where he can just blow it past a guy and set him down. So what Gilbert had to learn, has to learn still maybe, is how to get an advanced hitter out without having to throw him like 20 pitches. Um, I mean, he was he was seriously getting into like 10, 11, 12 pitch battles with some of these guys. So that's where it's frustrating to me that we've had very inconsistent reporting out of Tacoma, out of the alternate site. I'm sure the team has seen what they want to see, but we don't have any objective way of measuring that uh, because that's not what the reporters in Tacoma are doing. They just aren't doing that kind of granular stuff. I mean, honestly, again, I hate just always tooting our own home, but that's the kind of stuff we do. Uh, and we were one of the very few outposts on the internet doing that. Um, so it, it's very frustrating not to have somebody who is assigned to just watch Logan Govert and just watch what he's doing. Uh, we have to kind of trust what the team is assessing. And I mean, I think it's very easy to believe that it's all about the service time. But I really think that if they thought he had progressed to that level, then he would be up here uh the other thing is there's not really a spot for him he's a starting pitcher don't bring him up and put him in the bullpen that's not conducive to his development i don't think so he's a starting pitcher we already have a chock full starting group of starters i would rather um than bring up someone like art warren sam delaplane like if you if your bullpen sucks that badly i know we pen murphy like, I know we have better options in our bullpen um, than just kind of this constant churn on the waiver wire. So I would rather see Kelnick because I think it would honestly be less detrimental to him to just get out there, fail, yes, probably get frustrated. Um, but I don't know that he is 
like Jared Kelnick's not going to change that much at this point. I think he's closer to being a finished product than Gilbert is. There's still things he has to learn. And I've watched him like learn them at every level, but I, I feel exactly the opposite, Matthew. I don't think it would be as damaging for Kelnick to be up and like maybe be failing, but also definitely provide better defense in left field than Jose Marmalejos. And, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, we can argue back and forth about Kalnick and Gilbert, but, like, Braden Bishop is also just sitting yeah. there waiting. Yeah. Like, he could even be, like, put him in, in the seventh inning every game and just play defense for three innings. That one doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah, I mean, that, that I think, is, is the very reasonable, like, alternative to this. It's just, just like, it doesn't have to be Kalnick. It would be fabulous if it was Kalnick, but it should probably be bishop uh at, at a minimum and, right. and the, like, that's what i'm saying yeah and and the fact that like you know okay in in a similar way to like trawling the waiver wire instead of kind of calling up their own guys like yeah there may be some interesting people that they're they're picking up um but like you know you have some internal options i'm sorry of- i do not find seth frankoff brady lale walker lockett uh, no I do not find any of them interesting. This is not no. Austin Adams that you're getting, like, in a deal. Right. Not even what's-his-face from Casey Sadzek. Sadler? Uh, no, I, I mean, Sadler so far, is, he's not exciting, but he's been cromulent yeah. in the one outing I saw. But who knows? Mm-hmm. I mean, Brady Lale was also cromulent in his first outing and has since looked <sighs> kind of tr- mm-hmm. bad. Um, but no, I was thinking of Connor Sadzik, who... Yes. Was a waiver claim, uh, or did they trade for him? I can't remember. I think they traded for him, but he might have been on waivers, and they like just traded a little yeah. bit to jump the line. But um, like number one, you're not going to fix these guys who have been bad elsewhere overnight. Like that's a mm-hmm. long process. Uh, I don't think it's quite as easy as just like hey, throw more sliders, which is basically the Connor Sadzik, Austin Adams approach. Uh, hey, throw your change up more, Brandon Brennan. Um, in order to get something that's actually good, you have to give up something that's a little bit actually good. You're not going to scrape anything off the waiver wire, especially not with the condition most teams' bullpens are in at this point. So why not give your own guys a, a chance? Here, here's what I will say. Can I can I ask you a question, Kate? Um, do you feel, and I don't mean this as a gotcha, what, what for you is sort of the difference in terms of starting, like, LJ Newsom over starting Logan Gilbert. Oh, I think LJ has had more time in the minors. I think LJ is closer to what he's going to be than Logan Gilbert is. And again, I am basing this, I'm assuming like very little growth for Logan Gilbert, which I don't think is totally fair, but I do wonder how much he's growing facing the same like 10 hitters all the time who are all in the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm assuming then that Logan Gilbert has not like taken this huge step forward that I wanted to see him take this year in developing that out pitch and sharpening mm-hmm. up his slider um, in getting the changeup to be more of a weapon. So I think Logan Gilbert's ceiling was up here and he was at like, I don't know, mm-hmm. 75% of it right. last year. So they were both at about 50 innings in double A last year, if uh, I'm not mistaken. I think LJ is closer. LJ, I know what LJ has. And, like, we were mm. told in Tacoma he was working on a cutter. Again, we saw no proof of this. We saw no further analysis of this other than Jen Mueller reporting he was working on a cutter. So mm-hmm. 
again, and obviously he's not using it at the big league level. Mm-hmm. Also, LJ is something you ha- LJ is a 26th round draft choice and Logan is a first round draft choice. Like you have significantly more invested in one than the other. So miscalculating, making a misstep with their development slash letting the league start writing the book on one of them sooner rather than the other is all those things play into it, I think. Like, yeah. But I do think that there's a sense that LJ is close to being what he's going to be. He's up here with the big staff. Maybe he's putting like some final touches on it, but maybe he's going to develop the cutter. Who knows? Maybe their cutter guy is, is at the big league level. I don't can't purport to know that, but I trust that if the organization really thought that Logan Gilbert was a better option for starting than LJ, I, th- I think they're very much letting LJ see what he can do because LJ's future is either a long reliever or a starter. So he's getting a chance to show what he can do as a starter when he's not getting hit by a comebacker. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's fair in in terms of, in particularly in terms of like LJ being sort of closer to his final form or of what he could quote unquote be. Um, I do worry like if they don't, if if Gilbert is, if there's not enough confidence in Gilbert being able to handle one start and struggling, then that worries me much more. Why would you bring him up for one start? I mean, I think, because that, that would be the argument, right? It would no, be like once you Gilbert bring... gets up here, he's up here for good. So it's like, where are you going to make that space oh. in the rotation? And are you going to just then completely cut LJ out? Which I don't want to do. I think they've invested enough time in LJ that it's they need to see what he can do. I, I don't think it has to be uh, and once he's up up for good. Like I, I think all those but arguments But that's what they've made... said all along. They've said once a guy gets up to the big league level, they want him to stay up. That's what they did with Evan White. They were like, there's not going to be any bouncing back and forth. Like sure, with but these they, but prize they did... top prospects, they've been very clear about saying they want them to come up when they're ready and not go back down. I suppose, but they, but they, you know, they had, uh, you know, they have sent guys back further down right they said top prospects yeah but that was Sheffield before he ever got to the down. major league level with well them. he'd been in the bit well, yes but sure, with them i i mean again like similarly like dunn came up and probably would not was not in going to be in the rotation before the pandemic right like he was going to be back down into the minors um before i didn't read that anywhere i don't remember that i believe he was right he was like the sixth guy and they weren't necessarily intending to do six guy rotation right it was going to be you know he he was sort of competing for the fifth starter spot with graveman and walker behind kikuchi and marco and and sheffield um so i i i mean i i think that there's i i get i get that sort of I, I think that there's something to that of, of like you want them to be up for good, but I I it, I'm just for going me, based on strike. what they have said. They have said that they don't want to move a guy up and down and up and down. So mm-hmm. and that's I would have been very surprised if Justin Dunn hadn't started this year in their rotation. Really? Okay. Well. Yeah. And I don't know. Maybe they had some inkling that uh, either Walker or Graveman were going to get flipped and. You know, so they hold Dunn in either the bullpen or in AAA for a while and then bring him up to fill that hole. I, I don't know. But I think developmentally that's different than 
let's bring Logan Gilbert up, give him a taste of the bigs. They do that taste of the bigs thing. They did that last year by just bringing them all up and having them mm. be in the with the big league club. I guess I just but like they've done that, and, and it is different, you know, obviously from the low minors to the high minors versus from any part of the minors to the bigs. But like they've done that in you know, like they did that with LJ in terms of like, oh, we're gonna call you up to AAA even though you didn't necessarily pitch in in double a to start the you know uh year for a little bit like they did that i mean with a number of different players who are there like we think you can handle this mentally so we're going to put you in the big you know and at, at this high level where we need someone to fill in um for a bit we know you're going to probably get trounced but it's going to be a good experience for you you know the robert perez uh i mean uh what's his face um oh the the shortstop who's a Son is tourist. Of a big li- yeah, is tourist, which, you know, I mean, that's not necessarily a great example, but LJ, it certainly worked out fine for. So I, I, I am curious about that distinction, I suppose, because um, I think there's potential for risk, but I do think there's also potential for a lot of value in, okay, I see what the big leagues are like. I that's just a motivator for me to improve this all that much more, especially after a summer of I have faced, you know, Austin Shenton so many goddamn times. Yeah. I know how to get Austin Shenton out. I need to learn how to get someone else I mean, out. I'm still holding out hope that there's going to be like a very late promotion for both of them and they just at least get like a, a couple of games where they can. I know that time is running very, yeah. very thin and and. You know, that becomes less and less of a possibility. I think if they get clobbered by the Astros and they get knocked out of playoff position, um, there might be a chance that, that we would see some of them. But yeah, I who guess. knows? I mean, they might. I just, I, I trust the organization as far as player development. Um, I do think that they put what is best for the player above all else even though i think that it would be naive to dismiss the economic uh service time implications here but i i don't know i just i think that they are very careful about how they're handling the guys who they are prizing as top prospects so i'm sorry if jared kelnick is frustrated because he feels like he should be up because i'm sure he feels like that jared entered the league feeling like he he (laughs) he stepped on the field in the gulf coast league and felt like he should be in the bigs like that's jared kelnick's personality so being a good manager of him of his personality and you know uh not letting him determine where he wants to go but kind of managing that to some extent i think is mm-hmm. is their challenge and yeah. you know i just hope they're being really transparent with these players like yeah. look we know that you probably want to be up and there's a good argument for it and we know mm-hmm. the fans are calling for it on social media so here is what we here's why we've made this decision and i really hope those discussions are happening me too it takes a lot of trust, though, and I understand not having a ton of trust in this organization. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. 
Play it now with Game Pass. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking.、Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and、uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, I, yeah that's, that's a good way to, to surmise everything. It's weird to like, have such a, a big moment coming up, like this potential playoff spot, and then look around and realize like, how many little tentacles are involved, like the players and the organization and like, all the decisions that are going into it. Because you got to imagine every day is like a new. Thing they, there was no way they expected September 15th to be like an actual important day. You know, this is probably, <laughs> if anything, they're maybe thinking it would be like calling up Kelnick and Gilbert for the opposite reason of like, okay, time to just give them a shot, not like time to time for them to propel us into the playoffs over the Astros. That's just such a such a mind bender, which is、me. also have- something that's super unfair to ask, I think, of either of them. Because what if things and there's a good statistical probability. Even if you call up those two, like how much better does this really make you? You still have、right. Dylan Moore and Jose Marmaleos and a lot of unproven young guys. Luis Torrens. I mean, you know, no, you don't it's want, a whack roster. <laughs> you don't want to. I love Luis Torrens and I'm a big believer in him, but you know, you, you、yeah. want to set them up to succeed. And I don't know that、uh, letting the team that has the longest playoff drought. In North American sports, major sports, rest on the shoulders of those two is necessarily setting them up for success. No, no, not at all. Okay, let's move to Twitter questions, though, before time runs away from us.、Uh, we got a lot. I want to shout out the people who asked the Gilbert Kalanick question, like Seattle Ginge and at Soto First.、Uh, you basically asked the question that spawned that last conversation, so thank you very much. Uh, same for at Shibboleth, who asked, Is Bishop stuck in quad A territory with his bat?、Um, that definitely is an issue. But as we said, he'd be a better defender if they brought him up now. The question that I wanted to get to, which a couple people asked, was about Jose Marmalejos, which again, it's fucking September 15th, and we have honest to goodness questions about Jose Marmalejos and where he fits with this roster. So Twitter user Gavin asks, Is Jose a long term option for the Mariners, or do you think he will get lost in the shuffle? Moving forward, and then Ryan Froelich, kind of the same thing, but I like his wordplay here. Marmo continues to hit for the Mariners. Do you think he's going to go Lejos for the Mariners as a tandem DH, regress, or get Austin Nolad for a prospect?、Uh, what do you guys think about Jose Marmo Lejos? I had zero expectations for him coming into the year. I remember a friend texting me on fake opening day in July, being like, Who is Jose Marmo Lejos? And I think I told him, like, oh, minor league guy, like, probably won't be here for the long haul. But he has done everything to make me look like an idiot about that. He's hitting really well, and I, I would be okay with him kind of just sticking around until, like, an actual young phenom prospect pushes him out. Like, I'm totally okay with Jose Marmalejos as the 24th guy on the roster next year.、Uh, what do you guys think? Are you okay with him being here? Do you think he ends up getting Austin Nolud as Ryan Froelich? Asked and like being traded, he won't. You know, we're talking the same package, obviously. But yeah, he is. is he a guy he who pretty limited, limited. Yeah, is he、value. a guy who you think Jerry's looking to trade, or is he going to be actually 
like 2021 opening day. I don't he's think the left-handed bat. I don't think bench. he has trade value just because he's. If the league is going to go back to no universal DH, which I don't think it should. I think some of these changes should stick around, like the universal DH and seven inning doubleheaders. Those are both objectively good changes, um, in my mind. Uh, which I guess makes it subjective, not objective. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Jose Marmolejos. Um, I just, I don't, I like him a lot, but I don't super believe in it. I think there's too much swing and miss in the profile, not enough power to offset it. Um, I would love if he could get better. I think they do kind of keep him around as a quad A guy. Uh, I love him as a teammate. He's a great spirit and people seem to really like him and he's that unifying guy. He's also um, uh, one of our only Latin players, like the only Latin position player. So uh, just in the, the world of representation, I would like him to stick around. Um, but I, I mean, he's defensively limited probably to first base or DH um, so spelling Evan White or the DH spot, which is complicated with Ty France, uh, I think he sticks around and there's a spring training battle and I regretfully say that I see him on the short end of it just because Ty France, you have to make a spot for Ty France right now, I think, who brings the power, but also some better plate discipline and also the ability to play some, some field, so... Yeah, wishing I mean, him the best, but don't see him as a long term. I'm I'm trying to think of like who he could sort of fit as, and like he kind of has the Jay Bruce profile. He does not have Jay mm-hmm. Bruce's arm, um, but I mean, yeah, I, I think there's a decent chance we we get a long term uh, uh, universal DH, um, and that would be pretty valuable for him. But uh, like Kate said, I mean, it's so hard to be, you have to be like J.D. Martinez to be a like really interesting player who kind of needs to be DH'd or, you know, or, or shouldn't be trusted in the, in the field that much beyond first base. Um, and, you know, there's nothing so dramatic as it as it was with nola to to make i think people say like oh my goodness he's a totally different player like marmaleos always was a decent hitter in the minors and now he's been a slightly better i think than expected hitter in the bigs but like yeah the you know in he is hitting about the same as austin nola with the like opposite end of the spectrum defensive capability so um you very useful kind of guy to have if the you know with a 26 player uh roster i think he's a little bit more of a valuable guy in terms of like a bench bat and uh, like you can kind of put him at a couple positions if you have good defensive players elsewhere but yeah not not a huge trade piece i think we're gonna remember him ultimately as like a fun nice story from 2020 like i don't think that even if he comes back next year that he would hit this well just because mm. regression mm. and all that and like jose marmalejo is probably not even being this good you know like i think his his mm. uh he's gonna turn back into a pumpkin eventually but i think i'll remember him 
kind of the same way like I at least for me that I remember 2019 Daniel Vogelback where it's like in that moment while I was watching him in that season I was like this is great I'm glad that he's up mm-hmm. but if next year comes around and he starts hitting 170 then it's like okay time to go but like I'll be grateful for what he did this year because he did hit some like very hilarious home runs and like come up in a big spot and actually do something every now and again which is cool but the defense is bad and like you said there's really no way to slide him in when you have Evan White at first and like the outfield is where the actual prospects are so yeah to answer the questions from Twitter I don't think that he will be part of this team moving forward Um, last question because every question was basically something that we've already answered uh, unless there's one that you guys want to shout out after this. But I love this one from Brittany Bush Belay, friend of the blog. Do you think they really call him Donovan in the clubhouse? <laughs> Which is, of course, a reference to Donovan Walton, who was Donnie for a while and then decided, oh, it's actually Donovan now. I'm putting on my big boy name tag. I think there's no chance that baseball players call him Donovan no unless chance. they're doing it as like a joke. Yeah. Unless they're doing it like to mess with him, you know, like, oh, Donovan, big shot, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. But, like all the guys who came up with him in the minors know him as Donnie. And I think they probably think it's very funny that this guy is now trying to change his name. Like he's not, he's not a big enough dude to do the Giancarlo thing where it's like, oh, by the way, different name now. Like you're going to be Donnie forever, Mr. Walton. I'm very sorry about that. Yeah, I think he's his nickname. They call him Donnie Baseball too, or that was like one of his nicknames at Ohio State, or not Ohio State. Oh my God, Oklahoma State. Um, I know Colin Thoreau, who's with the Athletics. Uh, they're good friends because they both went to OSU, and um, he has a variety of nicknames. None of them, I think, are Donovan. That is, that's a media name. Yeah, totally, totally. And maybe, like, maybe his parents, but I don't know. Like, it's so weird when you do a a change this late. Like, introducing yourself as one thing and then swerving to the more formal option is is a very tough thing to do. Well, Dan tried to put... He was Dan Vogelback, and then he, he changed it to Daniel in Tacoma and was successful in that because he had been established... Not established yet, I think, as... Even though everyone knew him as Dan, um, it was not so hard to to be Daniel Vogelback. But, I mean, also, he was just Vogie most of the time. But I do think people did a better job of calling him. And once they request that, you know, you do see it in the media and it does change how people talk about you. It's just Donnie Walton has been in our organization since 2016. I've been calling him Donnie Walton for that long. Like, I'm, he, he was just, he'll always be Donnie to me. I'm sorry, Don, Donovan. Right. Yeah. It's it's a great question, though, from Brittany. And I hadn't really thought about that either, like what the players actually call them versus what the the media guide says now. And I think we're all in agreement here. There's no chance that a group of baseball players, a notoriously like jokey, bust your balls kind of group is like, oh, yeah, OK, Donovan, we like we'll call you that now. Sure. Like there's no way that happens. <laughs> All right, y'all. That was it for me. I think we got, like I said, most of the Twitter questions were about the same two or three things, and we ended up answering them anyway because that was the whole point of this podcast was to get you ready for the stretch run and see what happens in terms of call-ups, in terms of are they even going to play games. Literally, as we're recording this, Tuesday night's game seems to be in jeopardy. So just thank you for listening. We know this has been the weirdest season of all time and we're happy that everyone is still invested and that the Mariners did enough to make us care. Uh, the Twitter questions are always welcome. 
Uh, as always, guys, time for your final thoughts. Do you have anything else you want to say before we sign off? Uh, it looks like they're canceling the game. To I just checked Twitter, and it looks like they are canceling the game tonight. Um, yep. That's an ah. unconfirmed source report, but... We got Ken um, Rosenthal. Little... Oh, well, I had somebody else that was just saying source. Um, but... Source is the sky. Source is me coughing, having to keep yeah. muting this podcast to cough halfway through. This is the most Absolutely. I've talked in like a week. So and I, you can just hear it. I mean, I'm not sick or anything. My voice is just done after an hour. So, yikes. Sneezed on the pod and the pod got sicker. <laughs> Go get cool. go get this pod tested. Yeah, John. Any final thoughts? You're back in Seattle now, and you've been yeah, uh, ingratiated under some horrible skies. So we're sorry about that. But happy to have you back on the right side of the country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, really, sort of goofed it on the timing. It seems, but uh, no, I I am legitimately very excited still for the last couple weeks here. Um, of, of the season. Uh, and I mean, they just released the new playoff roster or not roster schedule. And that looks like it's going to be absolutely nuts. Um, so just across the board, who, who are we rooting for? Who are, who are we, uh, who are we watching and who are we pulling for in each of the, in the AL and the NL? I want, yeah, I want Padres Rays world series. Give me just the weirdest shit you've Ooh, ever seen in wow. your life. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I love those. I love both those teams' uniforms too, yeah. which is another thing that just like personally, Padres A's would be cool too. But if I had my choice between an AL West team or Tampa making the World Series, I'm gonna pick Tampa. I mean, I would take either the Twins or the White Sox in there as well. Frankly, true. Like the, yeah, good point. There's a lot of good. Yeah, I'm teams pulling for a like Padres. Them. I'm pulling for Padres White Sox. All yeah. team fun. All breaking of the yeah. unwritten rules. All, all that. Twenty five year olds. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's probably yeah. the right answer, actually. Tampa would be like, okay, like I respect what they've done. It's like kind of like a the culmination of their last three years. Whereas the White Sox, like, we did it all this year, bitch. We're in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I think that that would be super fun. It would make a lot of old head baseball people just it would make their heads explode. Mm-hmm. Um, last night was, I think, the best night of baseball that I've watched in a while because we had the Padres Dodgers. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, the White Sox series. twins, and it was yeah. just I was just flip, 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 flip. Uh, I did mostly watch the Padres Dodgers ones because uh, there was some drama in that, and it was a little closer. And then that game got out of hand and flipped over to the Twins. But both of those were just what a fantastic night of baseball that absolutely no one saw because uh, football was on the television, and you have to have an MLB TV subscription to have watched either of those games. So. That part sucked. Yeah, not ideal. The quote, I mean, I'm paraphrasing again, but the great Juan Uribe was like, football, fuck this, baseball. It's baseball that I want to watch. <laughs> like one of my favorite Absolute quotes favorites. of all time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I assume was like came from him walking to the clubhouse one day and seeing football on all the screens mm-hmm. and being like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. tired of this. Baseball. Baseball is the one I want to mm-hmm. watch. Yeah, this is why we need like Latin. This is why we need Latin players in the league and in the clubhouse and on the Mariners specifically because no one loves the game. 
no one loves the game like Latin players love the game. And uh, it's been really exciting to see with Luis Torrens on the roster, just kind of the uptick. Because, like, they're, the fans in the Dominican are following, the fans in Venezuela are following, but they're very active. Baseball is what they do. There's no, like, there's soccer, but, like, there's no real, nothing occupies the national mind and heart in the Dominican like baseball. And it's just, for a dyed-in-the-wool baseball fan, for me, it's absolutely, like, one of the most purest experiences of baseball that there is. So, more Dominicans, please, and thank you. Right. But at the same time, still, like, go Hawks. I will be watching. But only the Seahawks. <laughs> only the Seahawks. <laughs> <laughs> Russ is cooking through week one, and it's one of the most... That plus the Mariners being in the playoff race is like, what a sight for sore eyes, you know? I know. It's some it's some payoff for this absolute, like, hellfire, dystopian hellscape we're living in right now, so... Yeah, Go although sports. the Seahawks are scheduled to play in Seattle, so who knows if that'll happen. Who knows? At least we have so much uncertainty, but we know that we have the Lookout Landing podcast as a blanket for all of you <laughs> to hide from the world and bring eternal comfort so as always thank you for listening we will be back with something like by the it's always weird to say that because like next week they might have played zero games you know (laughs) there might be no games between this recording and our next recording but we'll have you up to date on whatever it is you need to be up to date on so press like and subscribe tell your friends tell your mother tell everyone who wants to listen to this that we have a great show going and we hope you come back next time goodbye bye If you want it to happen, baby Hold fast and believe You can make it happen, baby You can be where you please All you gotta do is try Then try once again Then try a few more times Then try after this